guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks, guys. Now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. We're live. Episode 34, I think. Um, And this is the Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. This is Melissa. And I'm very excited to announce that we have our first guest host. Her name is Kim Kardashian. That's not my name. That's definitely not my name. I'm for sure more of a Chloe, a little bit of Courtney, none of Kylie. No, I have none of the business sense or ass. What about that. Kendall and Chris? I don't even, I wouldn't even put myself in the same category as Kendall ever. <laughs> but, and I'm not as like diabolical as Chris Jenner. And I don't even know if diabolical is the right word because she's, oh, that should have been my girl. Yeah. Was Chris fucking Jenner. Okay, but. She's a, she's a good. Who are you? You're... Oh, I'm Julia. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, everybody, our first guest host is Julia, and she is stepping in for CJ for this episode, and we're super excited to have her, and I'm even more excited because I am sitting on my couch in my apartment recording with someone right next to me. Yeah, this is a first. I was in this apartment, and people might remember from your flood, I came by to survey the damage because we're neighbors. And that was, it's brand new. You guys, it's its like a Crate and Barrel ad. It's so gorgeous. Yeah, the last time Julia saw my apartment, it was molded and it, it was, was still full of water, the whole floor. It was drenched. Your whole, like your whole closet right here, completely full of water. Did I have anything in it or was it empty? No, your bed was still here and the old couch was still here. <laughs> and you were like, I'm never sitting on this again. Like it's done. <laughs> what do you I don't know my what new to do. Couch? It's so comfy and wonderful. Isn't it nice? I, I'm a little sad that I haven't been invited to sleep on it, but. Well, um, I don't imagine it's that comfortable. I'm, as, a, as I'm, I could sleep. And you live so close to me that you I technically do. wouldn't need to ever sleep on my couch. I know. I scooted here on a bird. <laughs> I caught a bird. <laughs> so, welcome. So excited to have Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Um, can I tell you something crazy that happened to me this weekend? Yeah. You've alluded to this. <laughs> but you haven't given me any details. Okay. Sitting on pins and needles on your comfy couch. Okay. So, you might have, like, a glimpse into what I'm going to talk about because of social media. Okay. But on Saturday, I went to Big Bear. Oh, I did see that. I was and kidding. I went mountain biking. Oh, yeah. For the cried. first time in my life. <laughs> and it was the most traumatic experience I have ever had. I don't know how those guys do it. To date. Literally, it's. Have you ever watched those videos on Instagram or YouTube yes. or something? And like the the sheer anxiety I get from just watching. I don't know why. Like I know you and your boyfriend are like all about the sports, but I'm no. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. First of all, nope. I am about like competitive group sports. That 
He is about like he's like a motocross, extreme, out of control, super dangerous, high intensity, high anxiety. Yeah, active. No sports. Sign me up for tennis. So (laughs) it's never gonna happen. So I haven't. He's been wanting me to do this for a while, and I've been putting it off. And then, like, you're such a good all of his like friends' wives are, like, big mountain biker chicks, and, like, they're all like, Melissa, it's so much fun. You're gonna I, have I, a blast. I truly like him as a person when I met him at that party. I think you should break up. <laughs> if his friends are, like, okay with this attitude, like, one day you're gonna walk into, like, a group friend circle, and they're gonna be like, hey, we're blowing lines of cocaine. <laughs> like, it's not... To, I don't think... I think you're unprepared like, mountain biking is right up there with murder. Okay, it is. You're about to get murdered. And listen, I didn't want to go, and I was like, I just need to do it once, and mm. I need to at least try it out so that I, if I don't like it, I at least did it and can say I didn't like it. So, I already didn't want to go. I was having anxiety the night before. The morning of, I was completely dreading going. We drove up. We were, like, getting set up. I got my bike. He was changing. I was literally starting to cry in the car. I 100% would have faked a fall. (laughs) Like, this is the time when you, like, fake a fall. Like, oh, my God, my elbow. And you just spend, like, a cute afternoon in the urgent care. You need to get on the level. So, I'm, like... Self-preservation. I just need to do it. And so I go up the fucking ski lift and get to the top. And I'm just already so terrified. And we get started. And he gives me, which I find out later is intentional, because he knew if he gave me too much info, I would not do it. So he intentionally withheld the truth of mountain biking, which I thought we were just going to be, like, going downhill dirt roads, and that is not at all what we did. We went downhill dirt roads filled with boulder rocks. No, no, no. And I was literally having to jump off rocks... And pray to God that the wheel didn't twist in between other rocks or tree stumps and, like, eject my body off down a mountain. I'm proud of you just for attempting. (laughs) I would have got off and walked. You know when you see those people who follow, like, the bike (laughs) laws and walk their bikes across crosswalks? Yes. That's, That's the level of bike I'm okay with. Like, biking down a fucking mountain? Not fun. Count me out. I know. And so I immediately started crying hysterically the first 15 minutes, and we had to pull off the road while I cried. You had a full-blown anxiety. Had it's a okay. complete panic attack. We can, we can, like, name the mental <laughs> disease and anguish that was caused by that. And then I was just like, let me just fucking get down this hill and be done with it, and I'll be done. So I get down the hill. I hate it, but I, like, I got through it, and then he convinced me to go again, and I did it again. And the second time, I actually was really good. I, like, the fear kind of went away. I was flying down this mountain. I, like, was dodging all the rocks and making all these crazy twists and turns. I didn't fall. I wasn't that scared. It was fantastic. So then we get to the bottom, and we're like, holy shit, you might actually be, like, pretty good at this. Yay! Like, what a shocker. And I'm like, let me just take a break, though. Like, I need to, like, mentally, like, get back. Yeah, I need to lower my blood pressure. I need to have a beer. (laughs) Like, let me just chill. Oh, you didn't mention there was alcohol. I probably would have done it had there been alcohol. Well, I didn't have any alcohol for the first two runs. And then I was like, we just shared a beer because he's like, you can't get buzzed and shit for this. But then, so I let him go do his own thing. And then he came back. He's like, all right, you ready to go for a third run? And at this point, I've been sitting there for like 45 minutes just chilling and like starting to get kind of tired and like just feeling like really relaxed and like, do I want to put myself through that trauma again? 
And so I'm like, okay, fine. We start. I go up for my third one, and I don't know why or for what reason, but it was a complete fucking disaster. And no. I cried my eyes out from beginning to end, sobbing. And he was literally in front of me and could just hear me crying on the bike behind him. <laughs> Was did you get like did you get like a massage after that or like dinner? Oh yeah. Oh no, I got spoiled after that. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so it, he's it, a good dude. Like <laughs> he's a good dude. Like he's gonna like torture you for a few hours <laughs> and then he's gonna back it up with like some major boyfriend level backup. That's the problem with being single is you do these like high intensity dates and then there's nothing after you just go home and you're like what the fuck what did i just put myself through for some random ass bro who dropped me off and was wearing a backwards baseball cap for a team that he's never lived in the city of julia yeah there's still hope (laughs) i mean one day one of these bumbles will click bumbles um but yeah it was a fucking nightmare and (laughs) the good thing is that this weekend is the last weekend for mountain biking and Big Bear, and then they start snowboarding. And I'll do, I'll ski, like, I'll, I'll mess around. I'm so white, like, all I think about is tennis and skiing, but I, I don't, I don't know if I, ugh. Well, luckily, I don't have to go again for another year. Yeah. So, I got that out of my system. I f- are you going to practice, though? Yes, I was like, that's what I was saying to my other friend. I was like, I'm somebody who has gone on a beach cruiser going one mile an hour on flat terrain yeah and like had a beer in hand and to go from that kind of biking environment to plummeting downhill a mountain 100 miles an hour dodging rocks and tree stumps with like like wilderness well and if you fall you're off the mountain no i know there's like an edge that you could literally be catapulted off of i would have i think you're just a good girlfriend i don't think i would (laughs) have i think i would have tapped out and like, no offense to your dude. I think you're a cool guy. Nope, 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 no. Nope, it was nope. traumatizing. I'll do like I'll do other stuff. Like I'll I, uh, me and my girlfriend went to um, Oakland where you can pick apples, and they have an axe throwing thing. Did that, conquered that, <laughs> rocked at that. I mean, I don't know about rocked, but I hit it. I got on the target, but like something that dangerous. I don't know. Um. It's, I totally, I completely forgot that I was supposed to tell the listeners how we know each other. And I was too excited about my mountain biking story. (laughs) I'm too excited for you. I completely skipped over that. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like letting the listeners know that you are still a daredevil, also a down ass (laughs) bitch. Just like fully circumferences what bottomless mimosas is. I'm going to get another glass of wine. Yes. Get it. Um, but you know what? Opener. I know. I was thinking that it would be best for you to tell the story of how we met. It's not a good story. (laughs) I don't think you should. I don't know if you want your listeners to know what a dickweed you are. (laughs) So I went in. Me and Melissa were coworkers. Uh, I went in for my job interview. And mind you, um, like, this was not. I want to see Melissa's stories in The New Yorker one day. I want her to be a famous writer. But this was, like, a job to her. You know what I mean? Just for reference, this was the interview to my dream job. Like, to me entering the culmination of, like, me finding my independence and, like, all of this hard work that I'd worked towards was this one goal and this one job. 
So I go in, I have a great interview. Multiple people come in and interview me. I'm feeling good about it. I walk past Melissa's desk and like at the top of her like register of a whisper, she just goes, no. And I look at her and I, I, I look at her disgusted. I'm like, did you really just say that to me? And she goes, no, not you. And then I, I walk out because I'm like, all right, I'll see you soon. And I did. <laughs> you got the job? I know, I got the job. Okay, but in my defense, the only reason why I screamed no very aggressively as you walked by me is because I was yelling at my fucking computer and you just happened to be waltzing by my desk at the exact moment that I said at that. At my dream job. It's cool. At your it's dream cool. job I'm, interview. It was my dream job interview. You soiled it. We became <laughs> friends. That's, that's the story. Hope your listeners are happy. This is the this is the quality of this friendship. And um, flash forward like a year later, and here we are recording an episode. I know. Thank God I said no to you after that interview, and you um, got hired. That was that was some juju, not passed on to you, but passed on to this juju. <laughs> that was juju rubbed all over. All right. Well, should we do our wine review? Yeah. Okay. So Julie and I are sharing. Did you get this because of me? Because I only drink. Pinot Grigio. No, but I really only love Pinot Grigio. So, yeah. I love that. No, I really only drink Pinot Grigio. Really? It's like a thing with me and my stepmom. Like, we really don't like any other wines. And red wine makes me, um, it gives me, like, alcohol in general messes me up. Like, I get gnarly, like, Charlie horses in the middle of the night. Like, where my whole muscle and my leg tenses up. But Pinot Grigio doesn't. It just goes down like water. Usually that's a sign of dehydration. Yeah, but every other alcohol, including every other wine, like Cabs, Pinot Noirs, everything. Weird. Chardonnays, like Kendall Jackson, I'm like, I'm like limping for days. Ew. Well, let's hope the three pairs Pinot Grigio doesn't give you Charlie horses tonight. I'm digging it. I bought this at the Gelson's down the street. Love that Gelson's. Along with my $18 chicken that I bought at the hot... Food section, <laughs> and I I think it's pretty damn good. I do too. I I'm really a fan. Like it. Soft, it's sweet. Do we think it tastes like pear? No, not at all. I don't I don't detect any sense of pear. You know, it's good that you're here sharing this with me because I would most likely destroy this bottle. Really? Yeah, I like like it that much. I'm a lightweight, so I don't. I think this is it for me. This little glass. Oh, that's fine. You can have as much as you want. Okay. Um, but I am bred from a long line of alcoholics, <laughs> and so the uh, wine goes down pretty easy for me. <laughs> it's not just Pinot Grigio, it's everything. So, um, I'm going to be covering today somebody that you 100% know. Okay. I don't know how much you know about this person, but this was somebody that I grew up as a ch- child loving. Is it Selena? No. It's not? Okay. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> ironic if I was covering Selena. <laughs> we were just talking about Do Selena. Um, Let's change it. But this person has a very, very, very interesting life, mm-hmm. which most people that know her don't know all the additional things about her. Okay. So it's kind of fun to just be like, holy shit, what? I didn't know that. Um, so today I am covering... Shirley Temple. <gasps> oh my god, I do love her. 
Did you grow oh up ever God. watching Shirley Temple movies? I, so my, I had a grandma who we call Ruthless. Oh, I hope she doesn't hear this. Um, her name's Grandma Ruthie. No, we, she knows we call her Ruthless. Um, <laughs> she kind of is into it. So I'm, hi, Ruthless. Um, but she, do you remember that, that channel? And like, nobody has cable TV anymore, but like, it was on cable TV and it was TCM and it was only old movies. No. So anytime we were at her house, that thing was on like repeat, like all T. It was either TCM or Selena. Like that was it. We had those two playing at all times. And so there was a bunch of, there's a bunch of times where I remember seeing like a Shirley Temple because she would like sing and dance in movies. Yeah, and yeah. I remember seeing her like, you know, dance and sing. I totally remember that. So when I was a kid, my dad would go on business trips a lot, mm-hmm. and whenever he'd be out of town, it would be like, party times, dad's gone, <laughs> and party times, dad's gone meant that my mom would go to Blockbuster and rent a Shirley Temple VHS, and she would then stop at Helen Grace and pick out melt-away chocolates and peanut butter bears, Aww. and we would, I would be able to sleep over in her bed that night, Aww. and we would watch Shirley Temple and binge eat chocolate. Okay, that's a story. <laughs> so I grew up... Ruthless used to force feed us prunes <laughs> and give us a force-fed enema. But I grew up probably seeing every single Shirley Temple movie that ever existed. Oh, cool. Um, which, like, I'm actually shocked I even liked them. Because they were black and white, and they were, can like, for the like most a, part, can boring I ask as like fuck. a messed up or morbid question? And maybe you'll answer this, like, in your, in your like, documentation of her. But is she, did she, did she grow up or did she die? She grew up. Oh, I don't, I, okay, I have no <laughs> reference as to her, like, past of seven-year-old. Um, she grew up. Okay. Hit me. That's the, like, that's the point I'm making is you won't believe, like, the shit she did after her acting career. Hit she me. has an insane, weird adult life path that, like, is like, what in the world? How did this happen? Bananas. Okay, so, Shirley Temple was born in 1928 in Santa Monica. Old AF. Um. That's, like, the good time of Hollywood, though. You know what I mean? I wonder, Like, when you see movies and, like, that's when, like, you wanted, that's when, like... The aviator was there, and it was in good. Santa Monica. Well, I mean, like that's in the 1920s. I would want if I was in the 1920s, I would want to live in Los Angeles. Yeah, any other time frame, I would no, not it, want to live anywhere fuck else. No, Santa Monica today, ew. It's so ew. <laughs> no offense. So she was born to a banker and a housewife, and she had two older brothers. And as we all know, she sang and danced and acted her way into the hearts of movie-going public during the Great Depression and beyond. Which I kind of forget about that. That, like, yeah. during the Great Depression, like, people like Shirley Temple or even just Hollywood in general was, like, really people's source of, like, uplifting Happiness. entertainment or, like, a glimpse into a more positive world, whether it be real or fake. Yeah. That was all people literally had to live for. They had absolutely nothing else. Well, and Shirley Temple in general ended up becoming, like, one of those icons during the Great Depression because she was just this cute little pretty cuddly dancing queen that That's as I remember her, as the propaganda pregated her to me. Right? I sucked down the juice. 
So she was only three years old when she was discovered at her dance school, and she was con- like she was asked to be in a low budget movie called Baby Burlesque, which is a little creepy of a name. No, I th- I think that's one of the ones I've seen, and it's super fucked up. Like it's actually fucked up. Like they're in lingerie. Okay, so yeah, so it was a satirical film. That used political events that was, like, acted out by preschool-age children. So it'd be, like, now, it'd be, like, kids acting out, like, the Clinton-Monica yeah. Lewinsky incident? Yeah. That's so fucked up. <laughs> okay, so that, fucked up. That exact incident Canceled. is a little extreme. No, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. A political event? That would be Monica oh. Lewinsky, the Oval Office, and that fucking stained dress, Oh, man. my God. So, her curls were obviously her major selling point. For sure. And her mother was, like, basically acted as her personal hairdresser, and she styled Shirley Temple's hair with exactly 56 pin curls for every single one of her movies. Like, that exact number for every single movie. Barf. How long does that take? Um, so, like, a pin curl set. So, like, if you were to, if I was to pin curl one of your hairs, or, like, one section of your hair to equal 56, it had to have been over an hour and a half. At, at least. And, like, a pin curl set back then, they were using, like, a hot iron that she would have to heat up on the stove. What? Yeah, like, it's, like, a piece of metal... And, like, you heat it and you click it up and you, like, wrap it around the hair. And then if it loses its heat, you put it back on the fire. It's, like, it's, like, an actual branding What the thing. hell? Yeah, so she's having to do that. And then she picks it up, pins it. So, like, think of Shirley with 56. There's probably two bobby pins in every single one of those. So she has, like, over 100 pins in her head when she goes to sleep okay. before a movie. Torture. Torture. And she had a full-blown afro, too. She did. (laughs) So... I would kill for that hair. So after her baby burlesque uh, film, she ended up getting three more movies that were an immediate success, and she became a full-blown symbol for all of family entertainment. But her parents began to realize that her daughter was not being paid enough money, And people were, like, using her image on, like, products and advertisements without her (gasps) consent. So, in order to get, like... That's some Kris Jenner thinking right there. That really is. That is. OG Kris G. (laughs) Um, In order to get, like, control over corporations using, like, her image without license... Yeah. um, They... Her parents ended up negotiating with Fox, and they hired a lawyer... And her contractual, there we go. See, I can't speak. Her contract, contractual, <laughs> her contract salary increased from $150 a week to $1,000 a week with an additional $15,000 bonus for each movie. So that's, that's like, that's big money back then. Great Depression. Where they were eating sticks. Yeah, that's a that's <laughs> She was making $15,000 for a movie in $1,000 a week. Where people were literally eating sticks. Yeah. Or just dying from yeah, starvation. Yeah, I, I think, like, to be honest, I think I'd pink curl set my kid's hair. <laughs> like, if that would it, if that's what so it that's was, what it I had to, if I had to feed my kids and, like, one was super cute and I just had to, like, curl her hair every day and, like, let her dress up in a bikini... 
no, I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I had to talk that out. The three pairs is hidden somewhere different. Uh, Most of Shirley Temple's films were inexpensively made at $200,000 or $300,000 a piece. And most of them were comedy dramas with songs and dances added. Um, And they bared very little production value. So... They cost, like, no money to make. Have you ever... You've We've seen a couple of yeah. them, right? Literally, like, every single Shirley the Temple movie... The one where movie. she's, like, a poor kid, and she's asking, like, for soup. <laughs> That's what I remember. And then she dances on... Yeah, it's and always, dances like, on the table. some old man or some crotchety old woman comes across her somewhere, and they take her in, they treat her like shit for a while, and then and they then end up really liking her. somebody treats her well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... I need a Shirley Temple dating life. So, her... Film titles are a clue of the way she was marketed. They were called, a couple of them were called Curly Top. Another was Dimples. She She, did have good dimples. She did have good dimples. I have, as a person with dimples, I admire her dimples. Those are pretty nice. They're very profound. Um, she had The Little Colonel and The Littlest Rebel. And she, so teen, I always think of like teeny tiny, like yeah. teeny tiny girls, like teeny tiny little girls, you know what I mean? And she often played a fixer upper and, or she played like the good fairy in films where she was like reuniting estranged parents or smoothing out like, I don't know, fuck ups in people's romantic relationships. Like she Ew. was always ended up being like this, almost like an angelic, like everything's going to hell and Shirley Temple shows up and, and suddenly her everything's great. shoes. Yeah, she does a little jig <laughs> and the whole world's back to normal again. But then as she matured into pre-adolescent age, things sort of like shifted in her character dynamics. Like they made her much more like tomboyish. Mm-hmm. Probably because I think they didn't want to, like, overly... Sexualize? Sexualize her as she, like, I mean, she was in a movie called, like, Baby Burlesque at three years old. (laughs) I I don't think they can come back from that. Like, thanks for the the half-assed attempt later in life. I know. She's already traumatized. Well, yeah, and, like, I think that's kind of, like, we even see that in today's society, that as these child actor, actress, or actors get older... Like, the the character that they played in their really innocent days gets awkward. Because it's like, you don't know how to look at them in any other way other than their young, innocent character self. That's exactly how I look at Miley Cyrus. So, as we were saying with Shirley Temple, she... Her, like, her film success started to diminish the older that she got. She was no longer able to, like... Well, they marketed her as a commodity. Yeah. And so when she outgrew that, like, commodity phase, I I would assume they didn't want to utilize her. Yeah. She just was, she grew up and was an adult and people were like, okay, like, your cuteness is over with. Like, Yeah, you, you shouldn't be called Shirley anymore. You're just no. Cheryl. <laughs> You're just Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> just Cheryl. Um, so, yeah, like, the mileage that she got as, like, the cute, innocent, curly-top girl only lasted till about 12 years old, Mm -hmm. and then after that, it was pretty much all downhill. She continued to make films, but most of them were a flop, and her acting style in general just appeared indifferent, probably because she was just, like, didn't know how to, like, act anymore. Yeah, because she was, uh, every time you watch her, it's just like, we represent the lollipop guild! Like, that's why, (laughs) I bet they were like, be like Shirley. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh my god, she totally 
is a lollipop kid. She is. So, to this day, Shirley Temple remains the youngest recipient of an Oscar. Hmm. Um, at age six, she won the Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Scientists. Sorry, that is so not right. <laughs> <laughs> the three pairs are hidden. At age six, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences presented her with the first Juvenile Academy Award, and she also received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1960. She ultimately retired from film in 1950 when she was 22 years old, but her career did not stop there. Okay. So... Up until 22, she was the curly-haired dancing actress that we all know of Shirley Temple to be, and she did that really well, but after the fact, she ended up getting a career in politics, Ooh. which is so random and such a turn for and the opposite. I feel like that's, a, I mean, not in this political climate. I don't right? know if that's this I mean, kind of podcast, but you can be anything and be president. <laughs> Well, before we get into the politics, there are a couple of myths I wanted to tell you about. Okay. That I'm not sure a lot of people know. As you know. know, I am a, like, huge myth and conspiracy theorist, so I'm ready. Okay. So, a cu- okay, so a couple of things. Fake news had circulated that Shirley Temple was never a child, but a 30-year-old dwarf... Due in part to her stocky body type, the rumor was so prevalent, especially in Europe, that the Vatican dispatched Father Silvio Masante to investigate whether she was indeed a child. That, see, like, how do you explain that to your child of Hollywood? Like, as she, think of her mom, like, heating up the goddamn curling iron, putting it in her head and be like, Father Silvio's here to make sure you're a kid. Like, (laughs) what? So, it goes even further. The reason why people... Well, there were several reasons as to why people felt this, one of which seemed to be that she never missed any teeth. Like, she never lost teeth. Okay. And like, a, like if you, I guess if, pe- if people were watching all of her movies oh, and saw her getting, like, older throughout her life, she, what like, never had dentures? any missing teeth in any of, like, her movies. So that was one thing that people were like, what the fuck? Like, you're a child, how come you never have any missing teeth? And of course, they thought, "Oh well, duh, she's an adult." Think of like that French lady, like sitting in her house, like has gone to the theater and is like, "Come back." She's like, "She has the teeth." Like, like, why are you thinking about her teeth? Well, so then, on further investigation, it became revealed that she had dental plates and caps to hide the gaps in her teeth oh when they were missing. Barf. And another rumor. So said, an hour and a half on the hair, at least thirty minutes on the teeth. Like she's. Two hours deep to prep time before she even sees a camera. Well, and then to, like, continue on to that myth, people were saying that her teeth, her adult teeth were carved down to make them appear as baby teeth on film. So that was, that's a little weird. And then another rumor was that Shirley Temple's trademark hair was actually a wig and that on multiple occasions, fans yanked her hair in person <gasps> to test the rumor. Okay, again, I'm getting my kid ready for a press event. I'm just going to... Honey, people are going to pull at your hair. Don't worry about it. Well, no way. Then, no like, way. Like we had said with the hairpins earlier, she has, like, 
basically, like, br- like spoke to these rumors and been like, dude, assholes, like, I wish all I had to do was wear a wig. Like, yeah. I spent my entire freaking childhood getting my hair yanked on to turn into an afro. A wig <laughs> would have been a lot easier. Um, and that, you know, she just continued to reference that, like, literally nightly, she endured, like, excruciating pain in setting the curls, and it was tedious and grueling, and that, I guess her mom also did weekly vinegar rinses that burned her eyes. Barf! So, yeah. Why would she do vinegar? Oh, I guess the product. Because they used, like, waxy-based products back then. So, her politics... She became involved with California politics in her 40s, and she ran for Congress a couple of times, but was unsuccessful. So she was in her 40s, though, like the 1950s, okay. Uh, yeah. So I don't know what she did for 20 years, because her acting career ended when she was, like, 22. Uh, hopefully she dived well, into she her pool of had, money. Like, yeah, she probably just had, like, a trillion yeah. dollars and was, like, chilling. Um, she was extensively involved with the Commonwealth Club of California, and she was in public affairs headquartered in San Francisco. She spoke at many meetings throughout the years and was a president for a period of time in 1984. But she got her start in foreign services when she was overheard talking about Southwest Africa at a party. Okay. Which is super random. Super random. Um, so in 1969, she was appointed as a delegate to the 24th United Nations General Assembly by President Nixon and the United States Ambassador to Ghana in 1974 by President Ford. She was appointed the first female chief of protocol of the United States in 1976, and she was in charge of arrangements for President Carter's inauguration and inaugural ball. Brad. Like, what in the fuck? That's Brad. Who knew? To overcome getting her hair pulled <laughs> and dressing up in lingerie as a three-year-old <laughs> to run in this shit at the UN. That's rad. And, like, having so much involvement in all these different presidents. That's like, rad. What in the F? And then in Did addition- Did you ever see that movie, The Butler? No. I feel like she should be the butler. Like, there should be a movie about Charles after the temps. Never heard of the butler. The butler's like about this like butler in the White House who like oh. works with all of these presidents. But she did just as much. Well, in addition, she also served as the United States ambassador to Czechoslovakia. Love that. Does that even exist anymore? Didn't they break that in half? Melissa, I'm too old. I'm too glasses <laughs> deep. You can't ask me. So she became the ambassador in nineteen eighty nine. Having been appointed by President Bush, she was the first and only female U.S. ambassador to the former Czechoslovakia. Oh, see, I was right. Hmm. Former. Um, During this time, she was witness to two crucial moments in the history of Czechoslovakia's fighting against communism. She was in Prague in 1968, and she was going to meet with Czechoslovakian party leader Alexander Duplech. On the very day. <laughs> Come on, try to pronounce it. <laughs> he know. worked hard for that Don't. name. <laughs> on the very day that Soviet-backed forces invaded the country, Alexander fell out of favor with the Soviets after a series of reforms known as the Prague Spring, and Shirley, who was stranded at a hotel as the tanks rolled in, sought refuge on the roof of the hotel. 
She later reported that it was from there she saw an unarmed woman on the street get gunned down by Soviet forces, a sight that stayed with her for the rest of her life. Which is really gnarly. Okay, what movie star can you think of in the 21st century that has now gone on to fight commies? (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't count. Donald Trump sure doesn't count. Like, she's amazing. Amazing. She, like, witnessed all of this massacre and was still able to continue. So, yeah, totally crazy. So that's a little, like, summary on her political background. And then just to add a little bit more info about her personal life, Shirley had two husbands. Love that. She met the first one when she was 15. I don't know why. What? I know. And she married him at 17 and they had a daughter. Barf. But then they divorced five years later. Duh. <laughs> she was getting divorced at our age. At my age. She was... D- Ugh. Yeah. Pretty gnarly. Um, so that husband of hers was the son of James Black, who was the president of PG&E. Okay. <laughs> which is hilarious. And oh he God. was reportedly one what of the... What is he the president of? PG&E. Ooh. Pacific... We Gas have, and electric. We have connecting, very slimly connected female characters for your podcast. Oh, wow. I know. That's always kind of fun when that happens. I know. This is very exciting. So very he was the son of the president of PG&E, who was reportedly one of the richest men in California. He was. And they became engaged after a two-week courtship and got married and had a son and daughter together. Sorry, that was her second husband. Okay, so she met a dude, married him in two weeks? This dude. Who was the son of the richest man in California. Yes. Smartest decision she ever made. She's my idol. (laughs) I'm getting a tattoo. (laughs) Shirley Temple. Yep. Just get, like, the afro. Yeah, just her fucking face right here. Sorry, Mom. So in 1972, at 44, okay, this gets a little deep for a minute. Okay. Shirley Temple revealed that she had had a mastectomy. It was a time when disclosing personal information like that was taboo, but she opted to go public and held a news conference from her hospital room. Her candor about her illness and surgery helped to eliminate the stigma of breast cancer and encourage women with symptoms to seek treatment. Like Angelina Jolie. That's beautiful. Her husband, James Black, the rich PG&E guy, died in 2005 to complications from bone marrow disease. They were married for 54 years. And Shirley Temple died in 2014 at the age of 85. Her cause of death was chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is a severe breathing problem. And sadly, she was a lifelong smoker and avoided displaying her habit in public because she did not want to set a bad example to her fans. Okay, so let me just run this down really quick. She fought commies (laughs) in and around the world. She fought breast cancer in front of the public and was probably one of the first person to do it. She was, you know, rad and didn't smoke in front of the camera so kids wouldn't smoke. Like, she's awesome. She is. She's bomb daily tastic So that's pretty much the sum of Shirley Temple, but I love to usually end on some quotes. 
So I'm going to read a couple because I always think it's funny and a good way to understand their personality better. So, quote one. When I was 14 years old, I was the oldest I ever was. I've been getting younger ever since. Oh, that's trippy because she was like a child star and you always, like she, you have to imagine that like her mom's just sitting there in the trailer like, shut up while she's like burning her head off. You know what I mean? That's deep. Ooh, She's been I just got chills. Ever since, I just got How full body chills. That? Because um, she started to live. She stopped well, working. She started her career at three years old. Barf. She was like the highest paid actress in like making shit tons of money. Like the most famous person on planet Earth at this time period. And three. Like what the fuck? That's that's almost like creepy about our society. For real. Okay. That's not our society. Well, that, that that's society. like, that's month, that's like decades before yeah. us. I don't claim those people. They ruin the economy. No. <laughs> nope. So, quote number two, I stopped believing in Santa Claus when I was six. Mother took me to see him in a department store and he asked me for my autograph. <gasps> what a dick. <laughs> Dude, as someone who has dressed up as Santa multiple times in my life, that is not okay. I don't care. Brad Pitt's on on my ass. You have like, dressed up as Santa. Oh my uh, god, it's it's actually my favorite thing to do. Is like it really? some, yeah, like some people like don't understand how fun dressing up as Santa was. When I worked in a hotel, I dressed up. We had a party for the um, like the housekeeping crew, and I dressed up as Santa and got to hold all of their tiny, teeny babies, and we gave them free Christmas cards, like you know, photos of them with Santa and it was me and I got to hold these teeny tiny babies and it was my actual favorite thing I've ever done in my life. But didn't you dress up as Santa at work one time? Yeah, but like it was like my hair was down. You could see my boobs. Like that was, yeah, I was like sexy Santa. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So last quote and then my work here is done. Okay. It hit me. I have no trouble being taken seriously as a woman and a diplomat. My only problems have been with Americans who, in the beginning, refused to believe I had grown up since my movies. Aww. That one's kind of sad. I know. That one's kind of sad. And that's Shirley Temple. That's, she's rad. She's rad McGrad. Isn't it kind of crazy? Like, 100% she had a kid named Brad. Her fucking life? I know. But I feel like you don't really get to see... I mean, at least what was portrayed to us. Like, I want the E! True Hollywood story of Shirley Temple. You know what I mean? I want that. There's probably a lot more, like, dirty shit that we don't know about. I know. Like, stuff she would have had to overcome. You know what I mean? Like, she's fighting commies and sickos in Hollywood. Because you know there's sickos in Hollywood. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I know you don't know much about astrology. I don't. But I do know my person's astrological sign, just for you. If you were to guess what her, Shirley Temple's astrology sign is. Okay, so I feel like she... <laughs> you could literally just throw out anything. No, I'm gonna... I mean, and I reviewed... I really don't believe in astrology. It kind of scares me because of some of the things you would tell me. Um, just so people have, like, a reference, Melissa was my, like, go-to guru when she was... <laughs> 
like sat next to me and I, I, I would ask her things that she would have no reason of knowing the context of the person I had just gone on a date with besides their astrological sign and the vibe that they gave off, which she shouldn't have known and did for some reason. <laughs> um, but I feel like she is strong. I feel like she is um, kind and generous. Is she a Capricorn? No, but that's a really good guess. Right? I'm proud of you for even throwing that so, out there. So, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. She reminds me of my sister, who's, like, always a performer and, like, never really shows her true feelings. But she's also one of the strongest, like, most hardworking people I've ever met, who I feel like would be super good in the situation of, like, helping people on a grander scale. So that's, like, a very perfect description of what Capricorn is. Uh-huh. They're typically, like, the hard... They're, like, the person that will never stop working to get to the top, no matter what it takes. That's 100%. Sometimes that's good or bad. It 100%. can go either way. They usually are... Dissect my sister. They I mean have, this. like, a little... They usually have, like, a secret freak about them Ooh. that people wouldn't know unless they got to know them, like, very closely. There's Barf, usually, like, there's, sister. like, skeletons in the closet with Capricorns. Yeah. Okay. Temple, so, though. as you had mentioned, she's strong. Super strong. Super strong. She's very nice. Mm-hmm. Kind. Kind. She is an Aries Taurus cusp. Ooh. Her birthday's April 23rd. Um, and... For those that don't know, including yourself, Aries is fire, Taurus is earth, and... You always told me I would be good with a Taurus. Did I? Yeah, you always told me I should date a Taurus as a Cancer. Yeah, they're pretty good. (laughs) But Tauruses are very headstrong, and they're hardworking, and Aries are extremely hardworking, a little cutthroat. All right, um, so maybe she was more badass than we give her credit for. Well, I mean, I think the fact that she went from, like, child star to, like, fighting communists in politics. And, like, seeing someone get murdered in the street yeah. in Czechoslovakia. She yeah, has, she gets she gets full street cred now. Yeah. She's, like, she's ready for the streets of the LBC. <laughs> she's ready. Yeah. She's, she's rad. So that's some Shirley for you. Okay, I'm going to book my tattoo for Shirley Temple. <laughs> And I'm going to talk about my choice. I don't have as much detail as you went into. Okay. Okay. So my choice, since you were talking about a childhood star, and not that we talked about this before, maybe a little bit. Did we? I didn't tell you a child star. No, no, no. My choice. Oh, yes. Because I didn't understand that you and CJ don't talk about who you choose. Yeah, no, normally it's a complete surprise what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I picked what, again, Selena... TCM, and now our other favorite movie of my childhood was Aaron Brockovich. And our connection to Aaron Brockovich, because she's an environmental activist and she's an American legal clerk who had absolutely no, like, formal education or legal experience, she had a class action, one of the biggest class action lawsuits and litigations against Pacific Gas Electric, which was PG&E. Oh my God, you're right. Yes. So they were using hexavalent chromium, which is a really gnarly, like, chemical additive to, like, lining the ponds of their, like, off-water tanks, which was seeping into the water that was right around this this Southern California town of Hinkley, which is, like, out in the middle of nowhere. But it was getting into the drinking water reserves of the people in the town and causing gnarly 
gnarly, like cancerous and huge health reactions. And so she only caught on to it because she was like a single mom struggling for a job, like here in Los Angeles. Wait, did she live in the town where this was happening? No, she never lived there. Like she had never even been to Hinkley. She got a job as a, um, at like as a legal clerk at a law firm because oh, okay. she was like out of money. She had no other options. And this, this lawyer that she had worked with because she gotten in a car accident had helped her, but she had lost her lawsuit. And so she was like, uh, you didn't win for me. So you're going to give me a job. Oh shit. Yeah. Like she walked back in there was like, nope, I, I have three kids. Like I'm getting a job. Like you didn't get me any money. I'm getting a job. That's it. She like, wa- that's the kind of life I like, I want to walk into the white house one day and be like, I'm going to get this job. Like this is my job. Cause apparently that's all you have to do. But, um, so she walks in, she gets it and she's working as a legal clerk, you know, just in this law firm as a regular, you know, coordinator or something like to that extent. And, um, she starts looking into this Hinkley case where these people had been trying to like the PG and E plant was trying to buy their house in Hinkley. And so, what happened was is she was like, why are they trying to buy your house? Like, why would they want your property? So she starts looking into it, starts realizing that pg had basically lied to an entire town that they had been poisoning for years. And well, then why quite, were they, poisoning them? they were poisoning them because it was cheaper to use hexavalent chromium Got than it. like building things to hold their off, you know, their off water off their tanks. And so... They had literally been poisoning people for years and didn't tell anybody, but just was like, we're going to buy their houses and let them go free. And nobody's going to know. Everybody's going to be none the wiser. And she's like, "Uh -uh, no way I'm coming in. And it ended up being one of the biggest class action lawsuits in the state of California that was settled for $133.6 million. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not correct. It was settled in 1996 for $33 million and 133 million of that settlement went to like the law firm that Aaron Brockovich worked for. Okay. But hold on. Okay. How was she as a law clerk fighting this case? So she was one of those people who, and maybe like when you hear her, um, astrological sign, it'll make more sense to you. But she was one of those people who just like, is an investigator. Like she's not going to take no for an answer. There was one lawyer. There was one lawyer who was, there was one lawyer who was working towards this, like, you know, individual, these people had brought him this case. It's like, Hey, PG wants to buy our house. Like we want them to, you know, um, pay a good settlement for it. So we're going to use you. And instead she realized that there was this connection between their medical issues and, pg e wanting to buy their house and then it kind of unfolded into this huge issue of like they have literally been poisoning the water supply but were people getting sick and stuff people were dying like little kids were dying like people were draining their pools they were buying bottles of water like this company this company had been poisoning people for at least like the so the case Shirley was settled Temple's in nineteen. 19- husband yeah. isn't the entire yeah. Town. So you think that Shirley Temple's all none the wiser fighting communists? <laughs> Meanwhile, she's poisoning people in SoCal, <laughs> trying to give them cancerous spores on their lungs. 
But it was settled in 1996 um, for $33 million. And she had no formal training. And after that, just decided... And she's become an environmental activist since then and has been, like, the forefront leader on, like, mold issues, which you had to deal with when you had your flood and, like, what landlords and residents and people, you know, and, like, other chemical companies have the standards that they have to set by. She's been the one to, like, make those rules. Okay, but hold on. Also, she was played by Julia Roberts, which I share a name with, and that's kind of cool. First of all, where is Hidley? Is that what it's called? Hinkley. Hinkley. So Hinkley is out. Hang on. One second. So Hinkley is located like outside of the Mojave Desert in San okay. Bernardino. Okay. okay so okay. think of like, it's like the IE. You know what I mean? And yeah, this yeah. is the IE before it was like built up to what it is now. It was like the IE when nobody wanted to go out there. It was the IE when nothing was out there but PG&E. Poison in the water supply. Did you ever play, um, what is that, like, Canyon Trail? Oh, what? yes. It's um, not, what's it called? Oh, God. I don't remember. They poisoned the water hole. Like, that's all I think of. <laughs> when, when I hear about this story, like, that's literally, it's like near Victorville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going on towards Victorville, that would be where it would be. And so there was 196 cases of cancer reported just in that town. And, like, if you think about the issues of, like, there's 196 cases of cancer, there's only, like, 330 or there's, like, 430 people in the town. That's, like, a huge percentage of that town is literally poisoned with cancer here you go waking up every day and so did like all of these cancer claims happen like after all of this settled or were cancer were people getting cancer and then she was like what the fuck all these people are getting cancer let's investigate both okay so it happened before predating and after she got involved because people were still living there so they're still getting poisoned from these water supplies that are like permanently lined with incorrect chemicals, which is hexavalent chromium. You've never seen this movie? No, I have. I saw it a very, very long time ago. Okay. Like probably when it first came it's out, a I fan... watched it with like my family. It is a fantastic movie. Okay, like what's it called? Erin Brockovich. Brockovich it's it? named after her. Erin Brock that bitch. <laughs> Like, she brought it, okay? She was here for it. So, is this, like, a similar thing that had happened in, like, Flint? Yeah, basically. It's a lot of the same shit that happened in Flint. And Aaron Brockovich was used as a reference on multiple news channels as what Flint should do. They used her as, like, a legal, um, what is that called when they interview people, like, on the news? Like, a legal... Oh, like specialist. A yeah, like a legal specialist, legal so consultant. For they used that her. May not know, Flint is in where in Michigan? Yeah, it's Flint, Michigan. Flint, Michigan. And the again, they poisoned the water hole. They like they had a completely unacceptable water standards. And, and we, everyone drank the water and everyone yep, got sick. A whole ton of people got sick. But also, a bunch like, of kids wasn't got nothing sick. Ever done about it? I I don't know. I don't I know. feel like everybody just kind of turned a blind eye and like it was revealed that Flint people were drinking poor water, but like, 
so feel the like they Flint, still don't so have the Flint clean water, water. So the Flint water, the Flint water crisis began in 2014, um, and a hundred thousand. It was lined with lead, so they had pipes that still had they still had lead piping that led to the water supply, and a hundred thousand residents tested positive for like elevated levels of red. Uh, but they're no longer in the crisis zone as of 2019. So this year, so it took what six years? Oh no, for them way to long. Get out? I'm still scrolling. So we're 1967 is when they <laughs> when they discovered that the plan in Flint. Yeah, they discovered 2011 in is when they dis- they when they declared a state of emergency. Holy! So fuck. eight years. Of people, like, not showering with the water that comes out of their shower. Mm-hmm. There's actually interviews where Aaron Brockovich, like, speaks as a legal clerk and, like, tells them how, like, where she went and did different seminars with the people of Flint, Michigan. Like, this is how you sue the city who literally poisoned you with lead. Oh, my God. And she's done way other litigations. Like, there was another pg Did she become a lawyer? No, so she has multiple honorary degrees, um, and in the state of California, you don't have to necessarily go to law school. You can be an apprentice, kind of what Kim Kardashian's doing. Oh. Back to Kim K. <laughs> That's a Kim K. Um, <laughs> but she, uh, like, there was other PG&E lawsuits. There was one in Kettleman Hills that she also settled with in 2006, and that one was for, it settled for $335 million dollars. So there's just huge, 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 like, like she kind of wrote the book on how to file these big, huge claims. And what she did was literally footwork. She honestly went to every single one of these people's houses and talked to every single one of them like they were human and got them on board with a class action lawsuit that led to one of the biggest class action lawsuit settlements ever. That's crazy. She's rad. She's so rad. Her original name is Erin Patty, which I love. I love anything that ends in an E because my name is so manly and aggressive. I'm Julia McGahee. It's like not a pretty name. But Patty, I feel like is super, super cute. Um, she was married to the guy in the movie. Her, his name was George. He was super sweet. He was a really sweet character in the movie, but they divorced, um, after a certain point, she had a little bit of a rough patch. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she'd been drinking Hexville and Chromium, like whatever. Um, and then, uh, and then she's still working like in early 2016, she became involved in a potential litigation against SoCal, Cal, like Southern California gas um, because if they had a huge methane leak, like methane gas coming from like pipes underneath the earth, like where they like trap How the gas. find this shit out? I don't know. Um, near Porter Ranch of North Los Angeles. What the fuck? So we most likely breathe that in. Oh 100%. God. So moral of the story, we are involved in a class action lawsuit that Aaron Brockovich is heading up. Oh my God. Yeah. She was rad. So she has an honorary doctor of laws from the Lewis and Clark Law School of Portland, Oregon. She has an honorary doctorate of humane letters from Loyola Marymount. And she has an honorary master's of the arts from uh, the Jones International University, Sentinel, Colorado. Crazy. Is she's, she's amazing. Like, how old do you think she is now? Um, she is, she was born in 
She was born in 1960, so she's 59 years old. Oh, that's not even that old. I know. She was not even that old. Crazy. Like, the amount of shit she did at 28 versus what I do at 28 is not acceptable. (laughs) It's really not. Like, she had three kids. I have three mice that I know come into my house at least twice a week. At least twice a week. Okay, but I'm so confused. Like... Because I, I I don't remember the movie that well, it was but fantastic. I kind of remember that she was like probably like lower middle class, yeah, single mom. So she started out as a pageant queen. She started out literally doing like pageants, and she was born like to a lower income family in um in Lawrence, Kansas. So she's from like the Midwest. She was a pageant queen. She come out to Los Angeles with a guy, like you know, hoping for big dreams. Ended up pregnant with a couple kids, had another kid by another guy, and just, like, had fallen down on her luck. You know, she was a single mom with three kids. And then she got in a car accident Mm -hmm. and, like, said, fuck that, give me a job, and next thing you know, she's fighting, like, environmental causes? Yeah, she had worked as, um, like, a secretary at an engineering firm, and so she understood how to read plans and, like, fit plans and, like, construction materials. that's just hard. It's so hard. And... Um, that was like the hardest part of my job currently was trying to figure out how to read actual plans, but I got it. But she figured out how to do that. So when she was looking over all of the like chromium lined ponds that they had given these people to like tell them, no, don't worry. The chromium we use is good for you. And that's how Peachini was lying to all these people in Hinkley and Kettleman Hills was like, she was able to read these plans and be like, you guys are lying. Like, this is straight up lies. But, like, how can people willingly and knowingly poison an entire community? I mean, how can people put their kids in a movie called Baby Burlesque? You know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a choice that somebody made and they just stuck with. That's I fucked. think at a certain level, like, you know, you just... Well, let's ask Shirley's husband, man. Let's call him up from the grave. <laughs> he astrological died. sign. What do you think her astrological sign is? And okay, I'm very, wait. I'm very, very, very interested to hear what you think it is. Um, I don't. I have a couple of guesses. Okay. Um. Does she remind you of anyone? Does she remind me of anyone? Yeah. No. Okay. How <laughs> is she supposed to remind me of anyone? I don't know. Um. Now I don't know. Now you're. Now well, I'm. Well, think like... about her. Think about like she's a survivor. She's hardworking. She's inquisitive. She's honest. Wears her heart on her sleeve. Doesn't remind you of anybody. Are you trying to tell me she's a cancer? Yes! <laughs> she's me! <laughs> she's totally me! Okay, I've got to be honest, that was not even anywhere near any of what? my guesses. Really? Really. No. But you are so, like, a strange cancer. Really? Yeah. You're not Why? the norm. Because you have norm? like you have all kinds of other shit going on that, like, offsets your cancerness. What do you mean? I have a ton of cancer friends, Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of qualities of cancer, but it don't... Which is what? 
You're like the emotional sensitive cancer. I'm like but you're positively not... emotional. I feel like I feel like the other ones you've described to me are like deep rooted, like depressed people. And like I literally only cry when I'm super happy. <laughs> and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. It like isn't I a should bad just thing. be able to cry. Like this I I saw a mutual friend of ours today who is now pregnant. I've lost it in the middle of the office because I was so excited <laughs> for her. And she like looked away from me like so annoyed because I was I was embarrassing her probably so hard. That's amazing. Um, if you told me you were pregnant, if you were looking at me right now and you were like, I'm pregnant. I'm drinking, I just drank half a <laughs> bottle of wine. <laughs> no, I mean like if you, if you looked at me right now, I'd lose it too. Well, the good thing is one of us would be crying yes. and it would be you. <laughs> Actually, both of us would be crying. Both of us would be crying. One for positive, <laughs> happy tears. One in the One not way. so much. So my guess would have been that she was on Aries, okay. partly because Aries are known to be, like I said earlier, extremely hardworking, but mm-hmm. also, like, low-key relentless. Okay. Like, even if people are standing in their way, they'll find a way to get around that person mm-hmm. and, like, stop at nothing, even if they have to do shady shit to get there. So she's, not that- a, she's a Cancer Gemini cusp. Does that make a difference? Probably a little more. Okay. Okay. Geminis are an interesting breed of human. Mm. <laughs> what? Um, okay, but I have one more thing to say about PG&E. Let's hit it. And I hope I'm accurate by bringing this up. We might have to Google it. Okay. But PG&E is in deep shit right now in Northern California. Have you heard? Yeah, because they've been letting all of the like power go out yes. so they can restabilize the grid. It's but a you huge know why? Issue. I think it's because, so last year when, like... Because of hexavalent chromium and Aaron Brockovich? No, I think, like, when Paradise broke down, or burned down to, like, the crisp. Okay. I don't even actually know if it's about Paradise. I'm assuming it was, because Paradise is up in Northern California. But Mm -hmm. basically, all of NorCal burnt down badly last year. Okay. And PG&E was supposed to do some shit to, like, prepare for this year's wildfires. Yeah. And they, like, didn't do it. So, because they didn't do it... This year, they're shutting off everybody's electricity for a week in order to make sure that nothing lights on fire. So, the San Francisco Chronicle detailed up one day ago, by the way, um, that it was the state orders PG&E to reform outage program, deeming it unacceptable. Oh, so they're pissed that PG&E's yeah, turning off electricity? Yeah, because PG&E is having to re- have restored the power outage after public safety concerns. So... They turned the power back on because they turned off seven, oh my god, over 700,000 people's power. Whoa. So they turned off the power just for, they they turned it off to, it was designed to limit the effect of high wind on wildfires. So yeah. like, they turn off the power because when the high winds are going, because they're like power lines aren't stable. Yeah, they were so supposed they think to it's fix gonna it. Fall over. Oh my god, that's they were so supposed to fix it and they didn't. Acceptable. Well, where the fuck is Aaron? I don't know. Also, like, don't you? Wouldn't you think PG and E would have learned a lesson after Aaron Bigovich? Stop doing shady ass shit. <laughs> Honestly, it's nuts. Not okay. Not okay, Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> Get your bitch ass in here. <laughs> <laughs> Sue PG&E again. I know. 
I would, if I was like a PG&E executive and I saw her name on anything come through the office, I feel like they'd be like, God damn it, she's back. We're all fired. The witch is back. <laughs> she's here. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, well, fuck. We did it. We did it. Okay, so we haven't done this in a really, really long time. Okay. But this is, if you wanted to, you can. Okay. But sometimes we do... We end with, like, a woman of the week, which can be anonymous or okay. not anonymous. Um, I don't have any women of the week. <laughs> I have a woman, and you actually know her. She's oh, yeah? another old coworker of ours. It's Jenna. Oh, really? I know for a fact that Jenna still listens to your podcast, and she is one of the most um, encouraging women I've ever met in my life. And I, she's, she is literally a ray of sunshine that I get to walk into every day. Um, well, I can speak to that as well. Jenna and I sat next to each other for a very long time. And even though she speaks at the volume of a mouse underground, <laughs> she is an angel she is. sent down to earth from God. She is. She's and an angel that walks she has actually given me... A lot of the, like, first couple of women I've covered, one being Julia Child on episode two. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, she gave me that suggestion. She's a fan. So. I'm a fan. Props to Jenna. I I finally feel ready to accept this level of fame as a guest (laughs) host on your podcast. I'm ready. And I hope that it pans out. And I hope that you will have me again. We would love to have you again. In the podcasting studio. The podcasting studio. <laughs> that's actually a studio. It's if a, only people knew. It's literally a studio. It is a studio apartment. <laughs> it's very small. It's adorable, though. But, but it's home. It's home. Okay. Well, I think that's that. Cheers. Should we this do it a clean? So, uh, we should. This was so fun. <laughs> I'm killing the bottle right now. You do it, girl. All right. Well... Thank you for being here. Anytime. And, um... I loved it. Next time, I'm going to go deep dive into someone. If I'm asked back. You can come back anytime you'd like. (laughs) Um, But no, that's, like, the thing about, like... Like, we never wanted our podcast to be uniform and perfect. Because that's just not realistic well i was not (laughs) (laughs) it's not realistic though like cj and i have like the most opposite opposing podcasting styles yeah and i think that makes for like character and keeps people on their toes i just wish people could see how radiant you look right now (laughs) my hair is to the side fantastic and I am disgusting, but thank you. you're in the pajays, and you're looking gorgeous. (laughs) God. All right, and that is where we end the recording. (laughs) Good night, y'all. Say goodbye.